I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm teaching to an empty auditorium except for one, two, three, four guys, two running the camera, one back here uh, and uh, running the board. That's Mike. And I've been teaching on the coronavirus. The coronavirus, like I put up on the board, is a pestilence. That is a disease. And God says, I'll send disease when you're disobedient to my word. When you disobey God. Now, here's the thing about disobedience. The Bible says at the end of time, men will not endure. The time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine. The word sound is the word hugiano, H-U-G-I-A-I-N-O. And hugiano means un corrupt words all of the preachers in America the preachers I don't hear any preacher preaching 100% of the truth I hear some that are close they're kind of on the border like John MacArthur and maybe a couple of others but John is compromising on Christmas Christmas is Christ Mass. Christmas, Christ Mass. That's where it comes from. Why people can't see that, I don't know. I saw it when I was 12 years old. Christ Mass, it is the Mass of Roman Catholicism. Why they cannot understand that Easter is Ishtar, and Easter was connected to Mardi Gras. I'm not going to go through that right now, but it was the resurrection of Tammuz. Let me separate that. Mardi Gras. Eastern Mardi Gras were the same thing in the ancient world in different cultures. They were the same thing as Christ's Mass. There's disobedience to God. It was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America. The Puritans outlawed it. They had every reason to outlaw it. Before the Puritans came to America, they were families in Europe. They were the Albigans family. The Albigans, the Waldens. And these families grew to be millions of people over hundreds of years. And they were families that maybe they differed a little bit in theology, but they came to America and the Huguenots, H-E-U-G-E-N-O-T-S, and they settled in France. The Huguenots did. That's why you pronounce Huguenot, probably Huguenot is the way they pronounce it. And they all against all of these families were persecuted by the Roman Catholic Church. Roman Catholic Church, and they were slaughtered by the millions because they would not partake in the sacrament of the Mass. You can get this story out of Fox's Book of Martyrs and many other books. Fox's Book of Martyrs, how they were tortured, how they... Fox's Book of Martyrs, M A R. T-Y-R-S, that's a great book, 
and you can get the fact that these families were slaughtered when they came to America they outlawed Roman Catholicism or any papal when you say papal any papal practices that means Roman Catholic well these were outlawed Christmas didn't start to be celebrated until about 19 not 19 1890 to 1900 somewhere in that neighborhood 1890 but it didn't take hold till after the great war or world war one the way we call it and that's when it started taking a hold in america not until then the ancient the ancient people in america did not celebrate it and when they came to america they outlawed it it was against the law and you could spend a couple of days in jail or be fined for celebrating it because they were slaughtered under that under that christmas thing that's not the only thing that's going on in america there's a there is not sound doctrine going on in america uncorrupt words these the baptist and the charismatics are the largest so-called protestant protestant comes from the word protest they're not protesting catholicism they're joining them in all of their practices in christmas and easter that is nothing i can stay i can spend all day long talking about that but i've got dozens and dozens of tapes on christmas and easter and what it's all about if you want that you write you call us email us at graceandtruth.net and i will send you that but yet that's not the only thing that's going on there's been a twisting a twisting of the word of god twisting it's called forward in the old testament forward over in second peter the bible says that men that cannot understand the truth they have twisted the word of god they are unlearned amethes m-a-t-h-e-s amethes comes from mathetes mathetes and the alpha primitive the alpha primitive negates the word it means no mathetes is the word disciple disciple and mathetes means learner it means no learning no learning this men who are not learned in the scripture and in history and in the text of the bible the original greek and the original hebrew they are amethyst they have no learning they're not disciples and that would include all the preachers that are out there there is one of the most beloved false teacher false teachers are beloved by the world because they're popular they're false teachers are popular because they make people feel good false teachers are popular are popular if you're popular preacher you're god's enemy james james four and four says that friendship with the world if you're friends with the world then you're god's enemy friendship 
with the world is enmity against God. Enmity, ekthra, means hostile. They're hostile to God if they get along with the world. Did Billy Graham get along with the world? Well, yes, he was friends with the world. And the Bible says, Woe unto you, Billy Graham, when all men speak well of you. Woe is a, is a cry of damnation, O-U-A-I. That's the word in the Greek. It's a cry of damnation. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. Most of the people in the world loved Billy Graham. And he preached something that was just unheard of. He's the guy that propagated the most popular false doctrine in the world today, which all the preachers are preaching. They're preaching. You have to accept Christ. Accept Christ as your personal Savior, as the method of heaven. And the Bible says that is not true. Let me read to you an email that I got. And this came from, uh, I don't know who sent this to me, but this is very, very interesting. Uh, This is from... Well, I had a Billy Graham paper here. Might have to read it to you next time. Prayers for your family during this time. And this comes from... Well, no, that's not the one I wanted. Billy Graham, I had a paper here, and I don't know what I did with it. Oh, is this it over here? No, that's something else. I'll have to get it and bring it back. But Billy Graham said the psychologist said that he was correct in trying to get invitations to make people feel obligated to come to God. You don't need to make people feel anything to come to God. If they have a hearing ear, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. Wait a minute, I have that right here in front of me. Billy Graham, in a paper he wrote called The Christian, Billy Graham, defends his use of the invitation system by resorting not to the scriptures but to psychology when he says concerning the invitation, many psychologists would say it is psychologically sound. It's not psychologically sound to give invitation. Biblical practices do not need the endorsement of psychology. There is absolutely no biblical authority of the practice, and that's the truth. And then there was a Baptist preacher out in the Midwest. His name was Lawrence Justice, pastoring a Baptist church. We don't use the altar call. An altar call is an appeal for an immediate public response to a sermon just preached. It is popularly called the invitation and as used in this context is an appeal for a public act of commitment and can involve hand raising, going to counseling area, or signing a commitment card. That doesn't mean anything. Most often it involves walking down the aisle to the front of the church auditorium. The altar call is tacked on to the end of the sermon 
and the invitation usually is to come forward and accept Christ as your Savior. And the Bible says you can't do that. Not when you're dead in sin. Various emotional techniques such as telling sad, tear-jerking stories and playing mood, creating music in the background are employed to encourage response to the altar call. Like many of you, I grew up in churches which used the invitation hymn. In the early years of my ministry, I used it myself before finally seeing its implications and its inconsistency with God's grace. In those years, we sang verse after verse of invitation hymns like Just As I Am, and we sometimes sang on for an hour or more trying to get people to come forward. I once had an evangelist in the church where I pastored, and his entire program consisted of night after night telling a sob story after sob story, climaxing with the saddest one of all and then giving an invitation to come to the front and accept Christ. So firmly entrenched has the altar call become in our modern churches that I have had people ask me on several occasions how people can be saved if you don't give an invitation. Preachers who do not give altar calls are often criticized as not being evangelistic. That's crazy. Evangelist, the word evangelion, euangelion, is the word evangelistic, E-U-A-G-G-E-L-I-O-N. That is the word evangelism. It means a well, you, A-G-G-E-L-I-O-N. O-S, a well message, a well angel. Angel is the word angelos, and it means messenger. It means the message. It's evangelism. It doesn't get people in and win them over. Then he says, how can people be saved if you don't give an invitation? Preachers who do not give altar calls are often criticized as not being evangelistic. We do not have an altar call in the churches of our, in the services of our church. We do not extend an invitation at the close of our service for people to make some kind of physical demonstration that they are trusting Christ. What I shall do in this sermon is explain why we don't. First of all, we do not do it, and we don't do it here. There's nothing that confused me more as a young boy when my father would give those long invitation hymns and say, if you don't know tonight, this may be your last chance. You're going to die and go to hell. He might as well have said, Jimmy. Because I kept walking the aisle, kept thinking, I have not accepted Christ right or correctly. That's not the method of salvation. Billy Graham preached that, and all the Baptists in America have gotten a hold of that. That's like some magical formula. If a man is dead in sin, he can't accept anything that's spiritual. The Bible says so. The natural man, P-S-U-C-H-I-K-O-S, that's our word physical. It means this man right here that doesn't have any new birth in him. It's the physical man. It's the man that can smell, see, taste, touch, hear. 
That's the five senses. He does not receive Dekelmai. 1 Corinthians 2.14. I put this on the board as my put hardly anything I write. God's not inviting anyone. He's commanding his sheep to come in that he chose before the foundation of the world. If you don't believe in pre if you believe in accept Christ, you believe it's by your will, you believe in free will. There is no such thing as free will. Men are dead. They do not seek God. There's none that seeketh after God. There's none that seeketh after God. There's none that seeketh after God. Nobody does. When you're dead, a dead body cannot make a living decision. Dekomai, the natural man does not receive. Dekomai, dek is the word ten in the Greek. A decade is ten years. Decalogue. Decalogue is ten words of God or ten commandments. And decomai means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that has been presented. Dead men don't do that. God commands his children to come in. When he told Matthew, follow me, that wasn't Matthew's decision to follow. That's an imperative mood imperative that's a command he wasn't asking he wasn't asking matthew if he'd like to follow him that's a command akulatheo a-k-o-u-l-a-t-h-e-o that's a command matthew was a he was a tax collector he had one of the best jobs in israel that was a publican and they could the Rome would tell them what they wanted and they would tell them you can put whatever interest you want on top of that and they have to give that to you and the publicans were hated worse than anybody in the country because they collected excessive taxes from the people follow means to be in the same way with in the same way you don't have any choice this is not something you choose in the same way with, since follow is an imperative command, that is a command. God's not inviting anybody in. He tells his people, he puts it in the heart, follow me. I was trying to follow Jesus at seven years old. I remember standing outside and looking at a spring moon. I keep saying it the same way every time because that's exactly what I was doing. Looked up at a spring moon. About 1946, I was a little boy. I was about seven. I remember praying, Jesus, I just heard this preacher preach, and he's talking about hell, and I want to come to heaven to be with you someday. The Bible says that I could not be praying to God and asking him for truth if I wasn't a believer. How shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? The previous verse says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I was a believer at seven years old because I was calling on him to save me, and I was a humble little boy. And I was thinking about that preacher's message, and I was saying, Jesus, I want to come to heaven to be with you. But what confused me was my father started, here I was, seven years old. That was about 1946. I was seven in 46, 
and and just three years later my father starts preaching he starts preaching in 1949 and he starts putting up tents all around Fort Worth, Texas and 1950 and 51 he's putting up these tents and he's He's gotten a hold of this Billy Graham doctrine of accept Christ and sinner's prayer. And he'd get up there and say, if you don't know tonight, this may be your last chance. I know some of you, many of you have heard that. There's no such thing as a chance with God. He, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Well, that's what God does. He commands that we follow him. And we don't accept anything spiritual. And we don't pray a sinner's prayer. We can't pray to a God we don't believe in. How shall they call on him and whom they've not believed? Believe is the method of salvation. Faith. Everything that faith is and faith does. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is. You can say faith equals substance substance and evidence that's what it equals and everything that faith does faith works works by love and that word love is agape that's the same word as Jacob have I loved Esau have I hated Jacob, God loved Jacob, and he didn't love Esau. When people say it means God loved Esau less, he didn't love Esau at all. That is crazy because you got to know what agape is. Agape, you can get a Kittles Dictionary of New Testament Greek words. Kittles. That's ten volumes. And it'll give you in the first volume the word agape agape or the verb form agapao agapao or agape and it's got 34 pages 34 pages in the first volume under the A 34 pages just on agape they will tell you this is a relationship that kings had for their subjects fathers had for their families when the Bible says Jacob have I loved Jacob's name was changed to Israel in Genesis in Genesis the 32nd chapter when he was coming back after he'd been off in the land of Haran for at least 20 years in Genesis 32 the angel of the Lord wrestled with Jacob struck him on the thigh said what is your name he said Jacob he said from now on your name will be called Israel to prevail with God and who was who God give who did God give his laws to he gave them to Jacob whose name was changed to Israel and he gave it to Moses in the wilderness who was a Levite, that was the third son of Jacob. So he gave the laws to Israel, so Jacob have I loved, and he didn't give any of the laws to Esau, none of them. So he didn't love Esau. And he's written upon fleshy tables of our hearts, his law. Those of us that are believers, 
So everything that faith is and faith does, faith is substance, hypostasis. That word means under, under, hupo, under. Stasis means to stand or be upright. But there's none that understands, so faith has to be put in our hearts that the method of salvation, believe. Believe and faith are the same word. Pistis is the word faith. So everything that faith is and faith does, faith worketh by agape, which is walking in the commandments of God. Faith works. You're not saved by works, but you're saved by working faith. Believe in God. I was believing God as that little seven-year-old boy in 1946. But my father got me so confused. I walked the aisle time and time and time again. He dipped me in water, had other preachers dipping me in water about seven or eight times. I was so confused. I had to grow up, study the Bible for myself to find out my father wasn't telling me the truth. He was preaching Billy Graham's doctrine. Billy Graham has confused more people in the world. I've said this before, but I'm going to tell you again. A lady called me from Cincinnati, Ohio. She said, I was an altar worker in Billy Graham's crusade when he came to Cincinnati. She said, they gather together people from all denominations, and they get people to volunteer from Baptist, Pentecostal, Church of Christ, to work in Billy Graham's crusade. And they're told as soon as the as soon as the organist starts playing just as I have, as soon as the first notes hit the the organist hits the keyboard, all of the altar workers are told you're supposed to immediately walk to the front. So you'll be there to counsel with people. That's why you see all these people walk as soon as the invitation hymns start in a, in an altar call at a Billy Graham crusade. And she said, as soon as I got down to the front, I'd start talking to people. She said, everybody I talked to was an altar worker. Because they're programmed to go down there. In their meetings prior to the evangelistic crusade. It doesn't work. And most of the people that walked down the aisle... When Billy Graham had him walk down the aisle, he was told he told the workers, "What you do is fill out these cards, and if they're Roman Catholics, you send them back to their Catholic diocese, back to their Catholic church, so they can go to work as a soul winner in their Catholic church." The only thing is, the Catholics believe in eating the body of Jesus for salvation. If they're Methodists, you send them back to their Methodist country club, and that's about all they are. If they're Baptists, you send them over here to a Baptist church so they can further accept Christ and be confused and pray a sinner's prayer and be confused because it confused me. I kept saying, did I pray the prayer right? Did I accept Christ the way I should? How do I do that? I don't know how to do that. I didn't know I had already done it until I grew up, studied the Bible, and I realized I was praying to God at six and seven years old. I was already a believer when my father started preaching, putting up those tents, telling everybody you got to accept Christ, and if you don't know tonight, this may be your last chance. 
That's a bunch of hooey. If I'll call my father down, believe me, I'll call down Billy Graham. It was wrong. How shall they call on him in whom they not believe? The blind man that was healed in John 9, 31. When the Pharisees said, this man is a sinner that heals you, he heals you on the Sabbath. The blind man said, we know that God heareth not sinners. If any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. He only hears people are worshiping him and doing his will. You can't call on a God you don't believe in. I'm going to emphasize that till the day I die. Nothing confused me like that. I remember living in Diamond Hill in Fort Worth. There was a train track down at the end of our street. And there was a, this was a cheap neighborhood. It was a bunch of track houses that were built after World War II. I remember playing out in a field. And two blocks away was a chemical plant. And I remember going over and playing in those fields around that chemical plant, which they shouldn't have had, I guess, because they were polluting everything. And I remember I would be playing around that railroad track. I told my mother I, when I grew up, I said, I used to go play on that railroad track, and I'd crawl out under those trestles while one of those one of those locomotives would come along with a steam engine on it and uh, just roaring over the railroad tracks. I'd crawl under the trestle where I could reach up and touch the wheels while it would come just racing over me and at that time I'd look up at the sky and if there's a cloud in the sky I'd say I wonder if Jesus is coming in that cloud I'm so afraid I may not have really accepted Christ and I may have really prayed the sinner's prayer and it was several years before that that I was standing in front of that church praying Jesus I love you I want to come and be with you someday and then my father got me so confused and I have a I have a I have a resentment to the sinner's prayer and to accept Christ more than anything that's being preached in the world today because it's not true. I don't know how in the world people think they can go against the Bible and pervert the word of God and that's what the charismatics do. And that's what Billy Graham did. I emphasize this so we're saved by grace through faith faith is understanding and there's none that understandeth so therefore God has to put faith in our hearts when I was calling on them as a young boy I was believing God I just didn't know that can you confuse a six or seven year old boy oh you bet your life you can you can get a, you can get a little kid so confused they don't know what up is if you walked up to your little boy and he's five or six years old and say, you don't know I'm your daddy. I may not be your daddy. I, somebody else may be your daddy. What do you think of that? You think it won't confuse him? Yes. You ought to be ashamed of yourself for treating baby sheep like that. I don't like preachers who do that. Long invitation hymns. It's disgusting. This is the reason for the coronavirus We've got Billy Graham-ism going on all over the world simply because he looked good, he got a big square jaw, and he spoke with a big, round, piercing voice. And he said real nice things that made everybody feel good, but war to you when all men speak well of you. 
I don't know how in the world Billy Graham got into heaven preaching all these lies. He told Diane Sawyer in an interview. You know who Diane Sawyer is. Everybody knows her. She's probably the second most popular uh, female interviewer besides Barbara Walters. But Diane Sawyer asked him in an interview, what do you want God to say when you get to heaven? He said, I saw this myself. He said, well, I'd like for God to say, well, doing good and a faithful servant. But I don't know that he's going to do that. He knew he was saying some things wrong. And the accept Christ and sinner's prayer is hell's doctrine. You talk about confusing. As a kid, I was wanting Jesus with all my heart. And I kept walking the aisle saying, Lord, I want you. I don't care what I have to do. Do I have to do this over and over? I'll do it over and over and over and over and over again. But the fact that I was willing and I was praying to him meant I was already a believer. It was my father that was confusing me. I tried to tell my brothers and sister that. Wrote to him and said, Daddy lied to us. Whether he meant to is not the point. He did. And he did lie to us. It's belief that saves. And faith works by agape. And agape is walking the commandments of God. And the commandments of God are more than the Ten Commandments. Every time you have an imperative mood, that's a commandment. Every time. Humble yourself under the hand of God. Humble. Tepanuati. A-P-E-I-N-O-O. It means to level self or to level mountains and hills. There's two mountains in the scripture. There is Zion, which is God's mountain. And we come to Mount Zion, heavenly Jerusalem, the church. The church of the firstborn. And there is Babylon, the mother of all harlots. Harlotry means idolatry. Babylon. I, I literally hate sinner's prayer as a method for salvation. If you prayed it, it don't mean you're lost. If you were sincere in praying it, that's one thing. There's people that come down the aisle and they pray it and they're not sincere. They're just saying, I'm looking for a uh, get home free card. And it's just not true. A lot of people who call on God are sincere in it. But they're already believers if they're calling upon him. You have to believe God. Belief is the method. If you go into your concordance and you make a copy of every time faith is mentioned, faith worketh by love. Faith is the substance. Faith is the evidence. Everything faith is and faith does, that's what comes into your heart when you're a child. But that has to grow. Faith must grow. Besides all this, give all diligence, add to your faith. And it names seven things. And it starts off with virtue. This is Second Peter 1 and 5, virtue. And then it talks about knowledge. Knowledge talks about temperance. And then patience. So you have to add to your faith. And what this does, it makes you strong, patience. And then it talks about godliness.
godliness. And then it speaks of brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. So everything that faith is, and then it talks about charity. And charity is agape, and that's what faith works by. Agape. This accept Christ and sinner's prayer is not it. It's faith and belief. Belief is the verb. Faith is the noun. Faith. Pistis. Believe. P-I-S-T-E-U-O. The word ending is changed. P-I-S-T is the stem of the word. Accept Christ is the devil's lie. It's the devil's lie to confuse people and to make them think, well, I've got saved. I had a, a guy tell me one night, well, I got saved. Now I got my big house on the lake. Now I got all my cars. And now I'm home free now. He got the wrong idea of it. It's belief. It's faith. We're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. God has to put it in your heart to believe. That's not free will. That's God's will. He works all things after the counts of his own will. So, humble yourself under the hand of God. That means to level self. Babylon is built on self. Let us make us a name. Let us make name for ourselves and we have to add to our faith virtue arete means maturity I had to grow up study the Bible to find out that my father wasn't telling me the truth I had to study I had to, it took me a long time to come to that to understand my father would say things if you don't know tonight no what are you talking about no without definition you're not going to know if you're not positive is what he was talking about positive nobody can be positive when you're leaning on Jesus that's called faith leaning you're leaning on Jesus to save you you can't say I know without a doubt well Paul said I know whom I believe that word no is the word ito he said, I'm an apostle, a preacher, and a teacher, and I'm suffering for these things. Therefore, I see who I believe in. He didn't say I'm positively, absolutely sure. He said, I've watched myself change and become the man I used to persecute and kill. I had to grow up to find this out. And you add a rate, you add maturity. You become a man. Knowledge, gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. That's knowledge, that's science, that's information. That's true information, temperance, incratee, E-G-K-R-E-T-E-I-A. That means inner strength within, strength within. The strength within comes after you study a long time for years. And then he says, patience, hupomone, hupomone. Patience is the noun form of hupomeno, H-U-P-O-M-E-N-O. And hupomeno is the word endure. They that endure to the end, 
the saved shall be saved. How do we endure? The trying of your faith worketh patience. The trying of your faith. And your faith is tried by fire, according to the first chapter of First Peter. The trying of your faith has to undergo fire. So the longer you live, the more you'll know godliness, U-C-B-E-U-S-E-B-E-I-A. The Strong's will tell you that has to do with the resurrection scheme. Well, that's daily. We die daily and we're resurrected daily. Brotherly kindness is the word philos, P-H-I-L-O-S, A-D-E-L-P-H-O-S. Philosodelphos, it means an affection for the brethren, but if you're a brother, you're going to be walking right. We're not to fellowship with brothers who walk disorderly. And then charity is agape, and we've already told you about that. That's walking in God's commandments. So faith must increase because add epicoregeo, E-P-I-C-H-O-R-E-G-E-O, is an imperative command. Every one of... These are the same kind of commands that Jesus used when he said, let there be light, and there was light. If you're a believer, you will add somewhere along the way maturity. I was so immature at seven years old when I was praying, but I knew I was talking to God. I knew I had a fear of him as a little boy. I had to grow up and get in gospel music to learn how to sin. Because gospel music is full of Pentecostal charismatics, Assembly of God, United Pentecostals. Those are the people that support the gospel singers. And it's full of false doctrine. When you... That'll be... I, I can spend hours on this. So everything that faith is and faith does, you have to add to your faith... And if you add those things to your faith, the Bible says, when you add these things, you will never fall. Never fall. Later on in that chapter, and then he says, make your calling and election sure. B-E-B-A-I-O-S. If you add these seven things, you're stabilizing your faith. You're stabilizing it. Be by us means to stabilize. It don't be, when it says make your calling and election, sure, it don't mean be positive about your faith. It means to add these seven things and you will never fall because you will be stabilizing your faith, adding the seven things we just talked about. And I've heard preachers say, make your calling and election, sure. Be positive. That's not what the word means. Man, it just bugs me to listen to preachers say words mean something and then even bother looking them up in their concordance or in some other word study book. We just... I literally hate... I believe I accept Christ is going to take more people to hell and the sinner's prayer along with let Jesus come into your heart. You're dead in sin. How can you let God do anything? You can't. That's free will and there is no free will. We're born not of blood nor the will of the flesh nor the will of man, but of God's will. You sound like you're angry, Jim. 
I got put out with my father's words after I grew up and studied and found that he didn't know nothing about what he was talking about. If I'm going to call him down, I'll call Billy Graham. I'll call down Charles Stanley. I'll call down Adrian Rogers. Adrian Rogers hated the doctrine of predestination, even though the Bible says whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Even though the Bible says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ and to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Even though the Bible says we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. That's just three words on, three verses on predestination. And Adrian Rogers says, well, men predestinated to hell? Absolutely not. You're an idiot, Adrian, and you're dead now. He was a very stupid man. Go online and look up Adrian Rogers and predestination, where he says, did God preordain people men for hell? Absolutely not. Then what are you going to do with the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? Natural boot beast made to be taken and destroyed. The Lord has made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. What are you going to do with that, Adrian? Adrian. I always have to say that, Adrian. I think he had the the aptitude of Rocky. <clears throat> yeah, Rocky might as well have been preaching as Adrian Rogers. When you say you hate something that's in the Bible, I don't know what happened to Adrian Rogers when he died. He was pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, the second largest church of the Southern Baptist Convention in the world. The largest is First Baptist in Dallas. I don't know how a man can call God a liar and get into heaven. Now, we've been talking about the coronavirus. The coronavirus is because all these preachers are preaching all these false doctrines. That's what it's about. It's about the false... It's not like it's something that started in this generation. It started back here in Israel while they were a nation from first King Saul to the last King Zedekiah, the king of Judah, southern Israel, and they were scattered all over the world because of the false doctrine they were involved in. And when they had left Egypt, God says in Deuteronomy 28, if you teach any other doctrine or you don't, you're not obedient to me, how can you obey God if preachers in the world are preaching all this false doctrine? Accept Christ, sinner's prayer, and they're preaching instead of faith, instead of belief, you, all you got to do is study what faith does and what it is and study belief and what it believe is the verb. It's what you do. He that doeth truth. I have heard my father and all of his Baptist preacher friends say, and people say, you got it against your father. My father was a false teacher. He was. Whether my sister and my brother believes that or not. He was teaching accept Christ and sinner's prayer every day of his life. One of the last things he said to me on the phone was, Jimmy, all that matters is a man accepts Christ as a personal Savior. That's all that matters. If that's true, then what we need to do is get our Bibles, take all the pages out, and put a bunch of pages that are blank, and right in the middle, 
put a put one thing that says accept Christ as your personal Savior and that's it. That's crazy. It's not true. Belief is true. Faith is true. And faith works. We're created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in these good works. That's Ephesians 2.10 that nobody ever gets to. Now God says, I'm going to send pestilence. That's disease. So God scattered Israel because they went after Baal and the grove and Shemosh and Molech and Venus and Isis and all the gods of the... They went after all the gods of the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hittites. Look at Ezra, Ezra the ninth chapter, the first few verses. It'll tell you about that. Look at First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and they kept going after these sun gods and these tree gods. And the tree goddesses was the Christmas tree. And God says, "When you do that, I'm going to send pestilence." Deber, deber, deber means destruction. I'm going to send I'm going to send every kind of disease to destroy you. And he did that to Israel. He said I'll send inflammation. I'll I will destroy you. I'll have you carried away into captivity. And it's done nothing but multiply till 2020. We've had AIDS and we've had Ebola. We had the had the plague of 1918. We've had the black plague and we've had bubonic plague you got plagues all over the world right now you got other plagues beside Ebola and besides coronavirus I keep telling you God says I'll send four judgments sword famine the sword is all kinds of war famine and here's the thing about this famine pestilence and the beast I keep saying that we're close to the end of time. End of time. There's several reasons we're close to the end of time. For one thing, we got all this sword, which is wars of all kinds, famine, pestilence with this all of these diseases. It's not just coronavirus. It's all the diseases that are coming along. And they're getting worse and worse and worse. Because men's hearts are getting worse and worse. Evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse. And not only because of the pestilence, but because God scattered Israel. And he said, I'll bring you back at the end of time. They're back as of May 14th, 1948. This all has to do with it all has to do with the end of time. The Jews will fall by the edge of the sword because they went after these other gods and I'm going to send famine and pestilence. The beast was Babylon, Persia, Greece, and then Rome. And Rome overthrew the Grecian subjugated the Grecian Empire. The Grecians conquered Persia. The Persians conquered Babylon. And all of these carried Israel into captivity. And God says, I'm going to measure out the 70 
times seven, the 70 weeks of Daniel, because Israel had, they had every seven years a sabbatical year that they didn't want to keep, where they couldn't plant or harvest anything. We have crop rotation. So the 70 weeks of Daniel has to do with the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. And at the end of time, God says, I'll bring them back, and the Israel, the Jews will fall by the edge of the sword. They'll be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trodden down to the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. The Gentile rule over the Jews began to consummate May 14, 1948. And then in the June, the Six-Day War, June 5th through 10th of 1967, the Jews for the first time drove out, drove out the Jordanians out of Jerusalem and took Jerusalem and have Jerusalem ever since. And that's a prophecy of the end of time. The Jordanians over here right next door to Israel, and they drove them out of Jerusalem in this Six-Day War. The Six-Day War, along with the pestilence, is just two proofs of the end of time. This pestilence that's going on is due to the lies of the Charismatics, the Billy Graham live accept Christ and sinner's prayer. And he wasn't the guy that started it. Finney, Finney back in the... 1800s and and Billy Sunday he preached this it's just not true and that's why we've got all this happening and that's the reason for all the fights in the Middle East that's the reason for Hamas and for Al-Qaeda and ISIS and all those terrorist groups it's all a part of the same picture This coronavirus goes along with Israel becoming a nation again. And they'll fall by the edge of the sword and let it be captain of all nations until the Gentile rule of the Jews is finished. And that happened. And Jerusalem quit falling by the sword in the Six-Day War of 67. The Six-Day War is associated with the pestilence and the famine. It's not... These are not isolated things. It's all what God's been doing since Israel went after these other gods. It has to do with Israel back here, everything since. We're just building up to the end of time with the coronavirus, with AIDS, with Ebola, and all the rest of the diseases in the world. I'm surprised that God hadn't destroyed this whole world. Everybody's ignoring his words. Now, let's get back to the charismatics. Charismatics are saying stupid things. They're saying God wants to heal everybody. I don't know how that can be when the charismatics keep dying, especially of old age. The most famous, they're perverting the Word of God. They don't even go to the Word of God to see if they're perverting it or not. They don't even check it out. Oral Roberts is the most famous faith healer in the world in the last 100 years, 150, 200 years. Oral Roberts. 
he said some dumb things, stupid things. Oral Roberts died. He died of pneumonia. Now, I don't know why that is. Why did he die of pneumonia? Why didn't he call in Benny Hinn to heal him? Pneuma, we get the word pneuma from pneumonia. Pneuma is the word spirit. And the Greek are breath. Pneumonia is a breath, is a breathing problem. It's breath problem. Well, he died of pneumonia. Now, Oral Roberts made the statement. He said, Jesus came and talked to him. Now, Jesus said, anybody says they saw me, and he said he saw Jesus. He said, Jesus was 900 feet tall. Out by that prayer tower and or at Old Roberts University, said he was 900 feet tall. And I don't know how he figured out he was 900 feet tall by this prayer tower. I don't know how the prayer tower looks. A prayer tower. How dumb. Prayer means to bow to the will of God. Do I believe they were bowing to the will of God? No. And he says, 900 feet tall. Now, the Bible says, let me tell you what the Bible says. He didn't look and see if he could say that he saw Jesus 900 feet tall. Now, look here. I don't even know how to give you all this. Look here in Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Matthew 24 said, Oral Roberts, this is before Oral Roberts was even born. Jesus said, Oral Roberts, there will be a man that comes alive, and his name will be Oral Roberts, and he will lie about seeing me. Here in Matthew 24. Verse 23, this is the sign of the end of times. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, he was 900 feet tall out by a prayer tower in Oklahoma, believe it not. Jesus was saying, anybody says they're seeing me is lying. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before, wherefore if they shall say unto you, Behold, he's in the desert, go not forth, I'm not there. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. If the Mormons say they talk to me in a secret chamber and you talk, don't you believe it. If old Robert said they saw me and I was 900 feet tall, don't you believe it. That's what Jesus said. Then he tells you how he's going to be seen next time the world sees him. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Coming parousia means physical arrival. I am not going to arrive for Oral Roberts to talk to. What do you think happened to Oral Roberts? I believe he went to hell because he was a false preacher. He's a false teacher. You can't lie about God and about his word. Oral Roberts propagated the positive confession more than anybody. 
positive confession doctrine. They say if you say something with your lips, this is the doctrine of the charismatics, Pentecostals. People say you got it in for Pentecostals. I believe there's sincere people in Pentecostalism, but I believe Pentecostalism overall is a false doctrine. There's what they're doing is they're twisting the word of God. There are no Pentecostal tongues. There's no such thing as Pentecostal tongues. Two words for tongue, dialectos and glossa. Dialectos is the word dialect. They had a different dialect of the common street language in every city-state. When the Jews were scattered all over the world, the tongues has to do with their scattering, as well as the 70 weeks of Daniel, as well as the, the tongues. When they went after other gods... For 510 years, under kings, other gods, they were going after other instruction, other doctrine. When you go after other doctrine than the defined word of God, you're going after a lie. And God says, when you do that, I will send sword, famine. I'll send the coronavirus and AIDS and every other disease. I keep saying these things over and over and over. And I'm going to keep saying them over and over and over. I'll never quit preaching against except Christ and sinner's prayer is the method of salvation. It's not. Belief is. Faith is. But you can't have faith on your own. It has to be a gift that's put in your heart. And then you'll add to your faith. And your faith will grow. Your faith will increase. Lord, increase our faith. The apostles say to Jesus, other gods and other doctrine. They went after it. They were scattered. They end up all over the world. And, and, and after so many years, they have forgotten their own Hebrew doctrine. And they've been given these Three feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and Feast of Ingathering, coupled with the Day of Atonement. They all had to come back to Israel. This is out of the compendia. You say, Jim, you've said that so much before. This is what the end of time is about. It's all the false doctrine. Men are not enduring sound doctrine, false doctrine. What are these guys? They are hypocrites. H-Y-P-O-K. I don't know of anybody that's willing to say what I am saying from a pulpit or, or to a church or on TV. I'm willing to say it. I don't care if you kill me. I'm ready to go meet with, be with the Lord anyway. If you shoot me, just be sure and hit me right straight in the forehead so I won't be crippled. Shoot straight. I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm tired and weary more than anything else. 
I listen to these preachers. I've spent 64 years studying Bible. I'm 81 years old now. I'm not young. I'm not new. And I've gotten sick of these preachers over the years. I'm sick of the Baptist preachers. The Baptists used to believe predestination 150 years ago. They believed that Christmas was pagan 150 years ago. They believed it was Christ's mass. It was eating human flesh. So when they were scattered, northern Israel had been scattered all over the world by the Assyrians up here between the Black Sea and the Caspian Sea. That's why they end up all over the world. And southern Judah, southern Israel, was scattered by Babylon and they ended up all over the world too. So what this is, what happens in Acts 2, this is Pentecost. God's going to pour out of his spirit on all flesh, red, yellow, white, black, and brown flesh. That's the all men. And he has a and elect people out of all flesh. So when they're there, Peter speaks and they said, How here we have a man and our own dialect when we were born. After these festivals are over, you can take these arrows and point them back in the opposite direction, and they're all going back home, and they're going to preach to Gentiles what they heard Peter say in their own dialect where they were born. That's what they're speaking in, a dialect of the corne up here in the corne here in Neapolis, in Rome, in Sicily, in Carthage. They're going to take that message back to the Gentile flesh. That's pouring out of his spirit on all flesh. And that has to do with the fact that they were scattered because they went after these other gods. I've said this so many times. And America and the world is going after all these other gods. That What they're doing, they're, it's tolerance. When Constantine brought all of that into the church in 325 A.D., he thought, I'm going to lose the empire to all of these Goths, Visigoths, Vandals, Huns. He was a, the Roman Caesars were not ruling these people. The Roman Caesars were not ruling were not ruling above the sea. They were ruling on the sea. That's why the beast rises up out of the sea, out of the Mediterranean. Because you had the Roman Empire. Before that, you had the Grecian Empire. Before that, you had the, you had the Persian Empire over here in Pakistan and Afghanistan. And before that, you had the Babylonian Empire, which was what we call Iraq. And it was all on the sea. The beast rises up out of the sea. Man. Gloss is the word foreign language. Get our word glossary from that. That's in 1 Corinthians 14. Only the word glossa is mentioned there. Because they had all of these glossa coming through Corinth here. That was the center of the Mediterranean. And all of the foreign languages were there that's why Paul said don't come in the church speaking in the glossa now 
I've I've written something down here. I need. I'm trying to show you how these people want their way. They want their way by making things up. That's what they've done. They make up this positive confession. That's not even. And they take verses. They take calling things that be not as though they were. Something that was not was something that was dead. Right after that, Paul says that Abraham considered not his own body now dead, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. Something that was dead was called it was not or it was dead. That verse, calling things that be not, God quickens the dead. He's talking about I'm going to quicken Sarah's womb, Abraham's loins. Abraham was 100 years old, or 99 years old when God promised him a son, and Sarah was 89. She didn't ovulate anymore. She had no seed. It ceased to be with her after the manner of women. So she didn't ovulate anymore. And and Abraham didn't have any seed or any sperm anymore. And yet God says, you're going to have a son. You never have had one. He didn't count Ishmael as a son. So Abraham says, okay. And Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He believed God's going to do that. That was resurrecting Isaac from the dead. That was the gospel that was preached to Abraham. The Bible says in the third chapter of Galatians that the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel to Abraham. What is the gospel? It is the resurrection. He preached the resurrection. What did he preach? When did he preach the gospel to Abraham? When he said, you're going to have a son. I'm going to raise Isaac from the dead womb of Sarah and from your dead loins. I'm going to resurrect Isaac. That's the gospel. That's what calling things that be not. When when Herod sent out the the edict to kill all the children from two years old and under to make sure he got the child Jesus in the second chapter of Matthew. Jesus was a child living in a house when the wise men got there. He wasn't in the manger. They came to the house where the young child was. And Herod issued issued an edict throughout the land to kill all the children two years old and under to make sure he got this child, Jesus, who was supposed to take his place as the king. And the Bible says that Rachel was weeping for her children when Herod had killed all these children from two years old and under. It says Rachel was weeping for her children because they were not. They were dead. When they thought that that Joseph was dead. And they go back to their father after getting grain from Egypt, from Joseph, and they didn't know it was him because he was talking to them through an interpreter. And they said, Joseph is not. And their father put it this way, Joseph is dead. To be not, something that was not was something was dead. Calling things that be not was talking about raising, raising, Isaac from his father's dead loins and his mother's dead womb. That's resurrection.
boy, those charismatics have twisted things all to pieces. I don't like the charismatic doctrine. I don't believe they're Christians. I believe there's Christians in there that have got conviction, and when they hear the truth, they'll say, is that true? I need to deal with this. I need to study that and find out if what that Jim Brown is saying is true. If it is, I've got to get out of this. I've had people write to me, say, thank you for pulling me out of that wicked, charismatic Pentecostal movement. I've had people write to me and say that. You cannot have... You can't say, but I serve Jesus. That doesn't mean anything. There's another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. And Paul said, I didn't preach the other Jesus. He said, men are coming to Corinth preaching that other Jesus. He said, the other Jesus is Satan. Transforming himself into an angel of light. Transform metaschematizo. The Jesus you serve, you better find out which one it is. Meta, S-C-H-E-M-A-T-I-Z-O. You better find out which Jesus you serve. That means to disguise oneself. Satan comes disguised as Jesus, looking like him. You can't tell the difference in him until you hear him preach. It's the message of the real Jesus, death to self, daily cross, self-denial, being hated by the world, that's the real Jesus. The other Jesus says, God wants you to have everything you want. He wants you to prosper and be in health. He wants you to have money and physical health. He does not. It's amazing to me what the Bible says about riches in the Old Testament. The Lord maketh poor, he makes rich. He bringeth low, he lifts up. That's in 1 Samuel 2 and 7. Let me read some more of these. They say God wants everybody rich. They use 3 John 2. I put this on the board so much. This has been the favorite verse of the charismatics. I put it on the board so you won't forget it. John tells guys, I wish above all things. Now that is a key right there, above all things. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. There's only one problem. Those words are not our words in English. Prosper is the word euhodos. It's actually U-E-U-O-D-O-O. It is construction of E-U and hodos. Hodos or hadas, however you want to pronounce it, means well way. That's what the word prosper means. Every time the charismatics get a hold of the word prosper, they want to call it money. It's not money. We're rich in faith. We're rich in mercy. Hodos is the common word way. If there is a well way, you can see that word you on eulogy. Eulogy is a construction of you and logos. Logos is the word word. It means well words. 
you say well words over somebody at a funeral. Well, that's what you're supposed to. So this means well way. There's two ways, a narrow way and a broad way. The well way between those, the broad way leads to destruction and many go into the, the broad way. That's why they call all of the main streets downtown Nashville, downtown New York, downtown Denver, Broadway. You can live the way you want. It has the girly shows. It has the guitar players. It has the bars and the clubs. You don't believe in bars and clubs? No, I don't. I sing in them. I know what's in clubs. Sin. I know what's there. You can't fool me. I'm an old dog. I've been round and round and round. The Broadway leads to destruction and many go in there at many. And the narrow way, which is which is the well way, the Lebo is the word narrow. It's the basic same word as thelipsis. One is the verb, the other is the noun. And thelipsis is the word tribulation. We must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. And Paul said that when he had been stoned and left for dead outside of Lystra. That's in the 14th chapter of Acts. And we enter the kingdom of God through the well way and people are trying to kill us just like they did Paul. They don't like it when you tell them Christmas is pagan, Easter's pagan. It's the same thing as Mardi Gras in a different culture in the ancient world. Yeah, but we don't live 2,000 years ago. It has the same meaning as it did then. The problem is we got the coronavirus pestilence because men want to they want to mix God's word with a lie. Mix with lie. We're not supposed to be mixing with a lie. We're supposed to live in pure. I was talking last night to Rich Pickett. And I got to saying something that I thought, and I started learning from it. I said, confess and prayer are basically the same thing. Confess and prayer. Confess is the word homologeo. I just began to see this last night. Homo. Legeo. And I knew that to confess Christ didn't mean to walk down an aisle. So I want to confess Jesus as my personal Savior. It don't mean that. It means to agree with. Homo. Of the same. Of the same. And Logos or Lagos, however you want to pronounce it, is word, word. It means to be of the same word. Homo, we think of a homosexual of the same sex. Homo Lagos, or homo sapien, or homogenized, they all come from the same word. Homo Lagos. It means to agree with. But you can't just agree with your mouth. Confessing is what you do. It's what you do. He that doeth truth cometh to the light. The Bible says some men profess that they know God. Titus 1.16 
but in works they deny him. What you do, you can say with your mouth. Some people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus said. So saying it with your mouth is not enough. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's how you live. Prayer is how you live. Prayer, prosukamai. Prosukamai comes from pros, meaning toward. It's our word pro, for, or toward. And UK. UK means to will or desire. It means to will or desire oneself towards the will of another. Prayer means to bow to the will of God. If you're not living the way you should, you're not praying whenever you bow your head and say, Lord, uh, do this for me and do that for me. Even if you're saying that will be done with your mouth, but you're living wrong and you're taking your body out here into avenues of life that you shouldn't be in, you're not even praying unless you're bowing to the will of God. You, you cannot pray pros toward UK meaning to will. We're to pray thy will be done, but if we're living for self, we're not praying whenever we bow our heads and pray. We gotta be doing the will of God. He that doeth truth cometh to the light. So truth is something you do. To do. You gotta be living right. As you get older like I am now I'm so old, I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. I'll say the truth, and if it bothers you, that's your problem with God. I just don't care what people think about me anymore. I'm too old to care. I want to live for the Lord and say, here's the truth. You can deal with it, or you can shoot me and kill me. I don't care. Just do what you want. These words, Christmas is pagan, is true. Free will is a lie. Prayer is bowing to the will of God. And if you go off and live for yourself, you're not bowing to the will of God. So when you pray, you're saying, Thy will is being done in my life, and I'm going to walk a straight line. I'm going to get on the narrow road. I'm going to get on the straight and narrow and live right from now on. That's what prayer is. And that's what confessing is. You confess is what you do. You can confess it with your mouth, and if you don't do if you, I had a tendency to go out here and try to rub elbows with success when I was in real estate. When I was in, in the music business, I tried to rub elbows with real successful people so I could get a piece of their action. You can't be bound to the will of God. I even believe in predestination back then, but I didn't know it as a reality in my heart. We're predestined to conform to the image of Christ, to his likeness, and do his will. If you'll notice, truth and prayer and confess are all about the same thing. Doing. He that doeth truth comes to the light. We're created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should do these things. You can't just say, I got saved one night and I prayed the sinner's prayer and I accepted Christ and I'm home for you. No, you're not. If God doesn't change you, he has changed me. 
I'm not the same man I was at 30 and 35 years old. I'm a completely different person. I'd have to, I've said this before. If I went around my brother and sister who all that's left, I'd have to introduce myself to them and say, I'm not the Jimmy you used to know. I'm a totally different man now. I'm trying to live right. I'm not mad at you. I can't come around you if you're going to live that way. I can never be around my brother Dean ever again. He's a charismatic, faith-healing, tongue-speaking fool. That he doesn't even know those things are not true, that he advocates their false doctrine. How much time do I have, Mike? Nine. Nine. Yeah. I Let me read some more of these things. See, they think you're supposed to prosper in money. And the well, that's the well way. Prosper is the well way. It's now it's full of tribulation. has nothing to do with money. Let me read some more of these about money. Uh, Psalms 49, 16. Be not thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased, because he's going to fall. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. And it's the rich that destroy the poor. That's Proverbs ten, fifteen. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. It's not talking about money. That's Proverbs ten twenty two. Then Proverbs 13 and 7. There is that maketh rich, yet hath nothing. There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. The poor is hated, even of his own neighbor. What verse is that? This is Proverbs 14 and 20. The poor is hated, even of his own neighbor, but the rich hath many friends. Why is that? Because everybody wants to rub up against the rich and get a piece of their action. So we don't want to make the rich angry. We, the preachers don't want to preach this message because if they do, the wolves in the church that make the building payment are going to leave. Got a lot of wolves in the church. Proverbs eighteen eleven. Man's wealth is his strong city. When a man is wealthy, that is the only city he has. That's the only wall of protection he has, is his money. And as a high wall in his own conceit, that's Proverbs 18.11. The poor youth entreaties. Entreaties means gentle answers. But the rich answereth roughly, get away from me. I got my money. Proverbs 21.17. He that loveth pleasure, I'll get it in a minute. He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that, love, he that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. Wine and oil reminds me of that verse over in Revelation when it's talking about the third horse, the one that that is talking about famine, and it said, "Hurt not the wine and the oil." The wine and the oil was the rich man's food. But he that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. That, and that was Proverbs twenty one seventeen. 
these guys have never read these verses out of Proverbs. Proverbs 22 and 2. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord has, is the maker of them all. He made the rich rich and he made the poor poor. But he made the rich rich so he could say to us, How hardly shall a rich man enter the kingdom of heaven? Proverbs twenty two sixteen. He that oppresseth the poor to increase his riches, and he that giveth to the rich shall surely come to want. People give to the rich so they can gain some of what they've got. Proverbs 23 and 4. Labor not to be rich. Cease from thine own wisdom. And then Proverbs 28 and 6. Better is the poor that walketh in uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Perverse means to be twisted. Proverbs twenty eight eleven. The rich man is wise in his own conceit, but the poor that hath understanding searches him out and finds him out. Finds him out. He's as crooked. He's deceitful. And then Proverbs twenty eight twenty. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. But he that makes haste to be rich shall not be innocent. The man that rushes to be rich is guilty. You cannot get a billion dollars together like Donald Trump or like any number of those guys, Bill Gates or Warren Buffett. Bill Gates is worth $96 billion. You can't get that much money together without cheating a lot of people along the way. I told a doctor that one day, and he said, that's right. And then Proverbs 28.2. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye. He's double-minded. He sees wealth on one hand, and he sees whatever else he can on He's double-minded. And considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. The man that's trying to be rich is going to be poverty-stricken. Bill Gates is about 65. In 20 years, he'll be dead and have nothing, or at least 25. When he dies, he won't have anything. He'll stand before God's judgment. Then Ecclesiastes 5.12, The sleep of a laboring man is sweet whether he eat little or much. But the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep because he's laying awake all night long trying to figure out deals he could make and cheat somebody out of something. Ecclesiastes 10.6 Folly is set in great dignity. The rich sit in a low place. Then Ecclesiastes ten twenty, curse not the king, know not in thy thought, curse not the rich in thy bedchamber, for a bird of the air shall carry the voice, carry your voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. You need to watch your mouth when you're trying to give the rich a hard time and you're trying to gossip. 
Jeremiah 9, 23. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches. It reminds me of 1 Corinthians one twenty six. Not many mighty, not many wise in this world, not many noble are called of God. Noble is the word eugenes. It means well genes. Not many blue buds are called of God. Then it turns right around and says that the basement of the world, base man, will bring down the mighty. Base is the word A-G-E-N-E-S. Agonase comes from the word gene. And the alpha primitive, it means no noble bloodlines are going to bring down the mighty. People like Jim Brown. Then that reminds me of the other verse that I love so well. Man not glowing in his riches. Who makes thee to differ from another? First Corinthians 4 and 7. Who makes you to differ from another? Who made you handsome and them ugly? Who made you rich and them not rich? Who made you beautiful and this one not beautiful? And what dost thou have? Money, looks, glibness. What do you have you didn't receive from God? And why do you take the glory as though you didn't get it from God? Your talent to hit a ball, to catch a ball, to pass a ball, to sing. You have no business glorying. I don't like watching stars on TV. And I've run out of time, haven't I? Rich men are full of violence. Micah six twelve. How hardly shall a rich man enter the kingdom? Matthew nineteen and twenty three. I've run out of time. I'll come back. Talk some more about the coronavirus. I believe the coronavirus, one of the big reasons the coronavirus is here, is accept Christ and sinner's prayer. It's just a lie. And all the world is voting against me. How can I be true? Well, I'm one of the few. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for truth. I'll say it, Lord, regardless of the cost. I pray that you'll give me strength to continue to stand. Give me the lessons you'd have me to have. Thank you for your word so much. I love this word more than anything in the world. Cause us to continue. Open up doors for the ministry. Supply our need. Help the people to understand that our expenses continue whether they're here or not. We need their help. Lead us to your elect family. Give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. And by the way, I hate the sinner's prayer and accept Christ. Did y'all understand that? (laughs) But I love faith and I love belief. 
and you will call upon God after you believe and you will accept the things of Christ after you believe I dropped the top of my deal here and I can't find it all right we'll come back again and do this again and maybe I can get to the rest of this message you can preach on this for the rest of your life get to it.